we've been in the sermon series that essentially titled God is Still Good. And week one, we talked about how God is still good in the disaster when the things of our life don't go according to our plan. Uh, when disaster strikes, when difficulties strike in our life, we can trust that God is still good. We remember we looked at the book of Job. We saw, a seat, saw that everything that Job went through still at the end of the day, he saw that even through all of the mess that God still remained good. Last week we talked about doubts and, and how God is still good in the midst of our doubts. And doubts is something that we all struggle with. Doubts is something that kind of plague each and every one of us. Sometimes there are doubts about God and who God is and what he can do. Sometimes there are doubts about ourselves. But we all, we all deal with these doubts. And as we learned about uh, the father last week who said, God, I believe, just help me overcome my unbelief. And we learned that um, overcoming doubt is so important in our life. Last week, many of you came forward and you just kind of placed some doubts here down at the altar, things that you're just doubting, doubting that maybe God can do. And my prayer has hopefully been this week that um, you felt a little bit better about those doubts. Uh, hopefully you've seen God begin to work a little bit in those doubts in your life. Well, today we're going to look at this idea of waiting. How many of you like to wait? Does anyone here really like to wait? No? No, I didn't think so, right? None of us like to wait. You know, if you're in a doctor's office and you're waiting for your appointment, your appointment was at 1 and it's 2.30 and you still haven't gone back, none of us like to wait. Um, maybe you're waiting in line at Walmart to check out and you go to the self-checkout because you think that's going to be faster because I'll do it myself and then you're waiting and you're waiting because the person in front of you has like a hundred things in their cart and you just have a gallon of milk and you're waiting. Maybe you're waiting on a new season from Netflix to come out because you just binge watched the entire first season and now you're waiting for season two to come out and what should have took you like 24 weeks to watch took you like three hours to watch okay it's one of those things you binge watched it and now you're waiting for the new season to come out maybe this morning some of you were waiting on your kids to get dressed to come to church if you have toddlers and you're chasing them around the house trying to get their clothes on and you're waiting and you're waiting maybe you're just waiting for your teenager to get out of bed this morning maybe last night you were sitting at a red light it was 11.30 at night, and you're waiting on it to turn green because there's nobody else around. And you're waiting, and in your mind you think, I could go. There's nobody else here. There's people laughing because some of you were in that position last night, right? None of us like to wait. Maybe it's when you put in one-minute popcorn into your microwave, and you're just sitting there watching your microwave like this. And that one minute seems to last for like an hour, doesn't it? A minute isn't very long at all, but when you're watching it tick down from a minute to 59, 58, it seems like an eternity. Maybe some of you are waiting on Christmas to hit again. Okay, you, you love Christmas and you're waiting on the Hallmark Christmas movies to start back up, okay? Maybe, I'm sure some of you probably have movies taped that you still haven't watched yet from last Christmas season, but you're waiting. For me, this week it was waiting at a baggage claim. I had to do that twice and it seemed like forever, okay? It wasn't forever. I looked at my watch. It was like three minutes, okay? But it, it seemed like forever. So none of us likes to wait. But the question I have is what happens 
when you're waiting on God to do something? What happens when you're waiting on God? You're praying about something, you're believing that God is going to do something about it. You have faith. You're not doubting. Faith isn't the issue for you, right? You have full faith that God can do what you're praying for, but it's just crickets, and you're waiting. And you're praying, and you're waiting. And you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying. You have full faith that God can do it, but yet you still find yourself in this waiting period. You know God can do something, but he hasn't yet. And if you're anything like me, you probably begin to ask some questions. God, where are you? God, why don't you intervene? God, why haven't you answered my prayer yet? God, I'm trusting you. I have faith. Why haven't you shown up? And I bet all of us here, at some point, we have waited on God to act. We've been praying, and we've just waited on God to do something. We've waited on God to show up. We know he has the power. We've seen him do it in other people's lives. And sometimes that's the most frustrating part about waiting on God, is we see him acting in other people's lives. And we see him doing things in other people's lives, and we're just kind of stuck in this waiting period. And we're looking at everybody else's life, and it seems like God is moving in their life, and it seems like they pray, and as soon as they pray, it happens. And we begin to wonder, okay, maybe I'm not as spiritual as that person. Maybe my, my spiritual life isn't up to par with theirs, but yet we still find ourselves waiting and waiting and waiting. Maybe some of you right now are at a waiting period right now. You're just waiting. You're waiting on God to move. You're waiting on God to act. You're waiting on God to give you some sort of direction, but you just find yourself in this waiting period. So if you're in a waiting season right now, I want to encourage you with something. It's really the kind of the key thought for a whole sermon today. And if you really, if you don't grasp anything else, it's not in your notes, but I encourage you to write this down. Grab a hold of this. With God, the wait is never a waste. With God, the wait is never a waste. It's very important for us to realize that. In other words, God is still good in the delays. He's good in the disaster. He's good in the doubts. But he's also good in the delays. To help us understand this a little bit, let's look at John chapter 11. John chapter 11. You have your Bibles. You can turn there, your tablets or your phones. Be up here on your screens as well. John chapter 11, we're going to look at verse 1, and then verse 3, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. In verse 3 it says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the, the one you love is sick. Let's break down these verses just real quick to make sure we understand exactly what is going on. We have a group of siblings. We have Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. Okay, they're a group of siblings, and apparently they had a very close relationship with Jesus. We know this because they sent the two sisters sent word to Jesus that their brother was sick, and all they said was, the one you love is sick. Okay, they didn't say his name. They just said, the one you love is sick. So they had a very close relationship with Jesus. They had seen Jesus heal others. They probably seen Jesus perform some miracles. They had a very close relationship with Jesus so I'm sure at this point the sisters really aren't panicking too much right now okay their brother is sick 
and and scripture even says he was sick unto death so they knew that okay this is he is definitely sick sick here but I'm sure they weren't completely panicking because they knew ah, but we know Jesus and Jesus loves our brother and Jesus loves us so all we have to do is just get word to Jesus and if we can just get word to Jesus I have no doubt that Jesus will come and he heal and he will heal our brother so that's exactly what they did they sent word to Jesus Jesus is off teaching ministering to people they send word to Jesus they said Jesus the one you love is sick and now they begin their waiting period first thing I want to point out to you this God's delays are not necessarily denials the delays are not necessarily denials very important just because God hasn't done it doesn't mean he won't do it just because he hasn't answered your prayer yet doesn't mean he's not going to answer your prayer look at verse 4 when he heard this speaking of Jesus Jesus said this sickness will not end in death notice for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it I really love this work this verse because Jesus really shows no panic here okay Jesus doesn't panic at the sound of hearing that the one that he loves is sick he doesn't panic it's almost like he just says everybody relax it's gonna be okay and then he does something to me that it's honestly mind-blowing if you look at the back part of this verse what he does is he gives a reason for the sickness he gives a reason now for most of us we don't see the reasons for things that happen in our life do we something happens in our life and we desperately want to see the reason but many times we don't ever get to see the reason the why is so important to us we always want to know why why did God do this why did this happen why me why now and many times we don't get to see the reasoning behind it and many times we don't see the why behind it but in this particular incidence they are seeing the reasoning and the reasoning was this he says this sickness is for God's glory that God may get glory through it or in other words Jesus is basically saying I am in complete control guys so trust me I know you I know he's sick now but trust that I have a plan and that I have a purpose and ultimately I'll be glorified through this look at verses 5 and 6 it says now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so when he heard that Lazarus was sick he stayed there he stayed where he was two more days and that verse doesn't make a lot of sense does it they send word Jesus our brother is sick we need you to come we need you to do something about it and then it says he loved them but then it says he waited two more days before he even left where he was at now he is sick unto death and Jesus says I'm gonna wait I'm gonna wait before I even leave now it wasn't like Jesus was down the street okay this was going to be quite the journey for Jesus to get from where he was at to where they were at so most people for example most of you know that my grandmother is sick here's the thing if I get a call today that says Ryan you need to come home I'm not waiting for two days right I'm getting in my car and I'm driving most of you would do the same thing but what does Jesus do Jesus waits he waits two more days 
before he does anything, before he even leaves, before he even packs a bag. He waits two more days. God's delays are not necessarily denials. Matter of fact, I believe his delays are purposeful. I believe God has a purpose for the delays in our life. What I have seen in my life, it's many times during the waiting season that God, really times during the waiting season, that God does a lot in my own personal life. It's through those times of waiting, the times where I'm waiting on God to act, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. It's during those times that God really begins to refine me, okay? And God really begins to do a work inside of my heart. We all want, desperately want God to act, and we want God to act on our timing. But many times he uses delays to teach us something. So instead of coming to Lazarus immediately, Jesus delays his coming. Look at the result in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Sister, send word. Our brother's sick. Jesus, you need to come back Jesus says, I'm good. I'm going to wait for two days. And then by the time Jesus gets there, he'd already been dead for four days. He's been buried for four days. Can you imagine what the sisters are thinking? Jesus delays. Lazarus dies. And when he shows up, Martha is ready for him. Martha's ready for it. Number two, in the delay, it's easy to cast blame. During the delays, it's easy to cast blame. Typically, we blame ourselves. We blame ourselves. We blame our, our lack of power in prayer. We blame our own spiritual life. We blame a past incident. We just try to find blame somewhere in some fashion because there has to be a reason why God isn't acting, Right? There has to be a reason why we're in the delay. So we just blame ourselves. We just blame that there's got to be something going on. I remember as we waited nine months before God opened up a door for us to pastor a church. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. I don't know how many times I just would go back and as I looked at my prayer journals, I'd be like, God, what am I missing? God, what am I doing wrong? God, why have I done God, am I not spiritual enough yet? Am I not this? Am I not that? And it's so easy to cast blame. Sometimes we blame ourselves. Sometimes we blame other people. Sometimes we even blame God. Look at verses 20 through 21. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. The Mary and Martha combination is a very, very interesting combination. Martha is a doer. Okay? Martha, she is one... She is a servant, okay? She's a doer. If you were to show up at Martha's house, Martha would be the one that would be running around everywhere making sure that there was enough food, making sure there was enough this, making sure there was enough that, making sure you were comfortable. Mary, on the other hand, would be the one sitting next to you having a conversation with you. And you see this dynamic between the two of them. And many times this, I think many times Martha gets a bad rap. Many times Martha's criticized or People criticize Martha because of the story of when Martha is going around doing all the things and she was just like, Jesus, why don't you tell my sister to get off her tail end and help me? 
And then Jesus says, well, she's doing what's most important, spending time with me. So many times Martha gets a bad rap, but we're going to see amazing faith by Martha here in just a a moment. I love the honesty of Martha. In verse 21, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Doesn't get more honest than that, does it? Jesus, if you would have shown up, he wouldn't have died. Jesus, if you would have came when I called you, he wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, if you wouldn't have delayed, Jesus, we love you, we have served you, we've had you at our house, and where were you, where were you when we needed you the most? If you just would have been here. Obviously, Martha is struggling now. She's going through mourning the loss of her brother, and the one person who could have done something didn't show up. Have you ever been there in your life? The reality of your circumstances come full force, and you can't help but think, God, you could have stopped this. God, you could have stepped in. God, you could have done something, but you didn't. We have to remember when we're tempted to play the game, the blame game, that delays are not necessarily denials. Now look at what Martha says in the very next verse. There's so much encouragement and wisdom in this verse. Look at verse 22. Right after she just says, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Look at verse 22. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. There's a lot of faith in that verse. There's a lot of wisdom and a lot of encouragement in this verse. What she's basically saying is, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know you could raise him from the dead. Jesus, I know you could do something really big here. Jesus, I know that even though you delayed, I know that you can still act, that you can still do something amazing here. God, you could have stepped in, but you delayed. But yet, I'm still going to trust you. I don't understand it, but I'm still going to trust you. There's a lot of faith by Martha there. Because many of us, when everything calls, comes crumbling down in our life, and many of us, it's during that time that we lack so much faith. But we find Martha full of faith, saying, Jesus, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But yet, I still know that you could do something. I still know that you could that you can bring good from this situation. Look at number three. Sometimes God's delays are preparing ground for his greatest work. Let that sink in for just a minute. How many times have we wanted something, prayed for something, and it didn't happen? We wanted and we prayed, it didn't happen. But then a little bit later, something better happens and something else better comes along. A little confession time. When I was a freshman in high school, I was dating this girl and I thought I was in love. Head over heels. Then she broke up with me. And I prayed. I prayed, Lord, bring her back. God, this is the girl for me. God, I know I'm 14, but this is the girl for me. God, bring her back. Bring her back, Lord. Prayed that for a long, long time. 
Can I say this? I'm really glad God didn't bring her back. I'm really God, glad God was like, nope, that's not the one you need, Ryan. But how many times has that happened in our life? We prayed for something. We've asked God to do something and he doesn't do it. Or, which we're going to look at that in a couple weeks. That God is still good in the denials when he says no. But in the delays, when we're praying and waiting for God to act, sometimes that's a preparing ground for our lives. Sometimes that's a preparation ground for us. God doesn't always give us what we want because he knows what we need. And what we need is always far better than what we want. Look at verses 23 through 26. Martha goes through and Jesus, if you'd have been here, you could have done something. But even now, God, I know you can still do something. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. That's cool. But Martha doesn't quite get it. Look what Martha says. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So she's like, Jesus, you could do something. I know you could still even do something today. And Jesus is like, you're right. Your brother's going to rise. And she's like, Jesus, I know. I know that his security is sealed. Okay. Jesus, I, I'm not doubting that. I know he's going to rise again in the last day, the resurrection. I, I understand that. And Jesus is like, well, you're missing the point. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, Jesus says, I have the power of life and death in my hands. I have that power. Mary and Martha had expected Jesus to heal their brother. That's what they wanted. And what they wanted was good. It was fine. But Jesus tells them, I'm about to do something far better than you can ever imagine. Write this down. If God always met our expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. If God always met our expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. But here's the problem. We see things through the lens of our circumstances. We see life through the lens of what we're currently dealing with. The current tragedy, the current sickness, the current financial loss, whatever we are, the current stresses in our lives, our current parenting, our current marriage, we see life through the lens of our circumstances. What is going on right now, right in front of us? And what that does is many times that clouds us to what God is doing in the big picture. See, we have to understand this. God is always working. God is always working. Even when things seem to be crumbling around us, God is always at work. He's always working in our lives. Sometimes in delays, he's preparing us for something greater. Sometimes he's teaching us something. Sometimes it's just not his timing yet. You think back to the first miracle that Jesus ever turn turning the water into wine his mother shows up and says they have no more wine at this wedding Jesus you need to do something he's like it's not my time yet 
not time for me to do anything yet. Sometimes delays, it's just not God's timing to work at that particular moment that we want it to happen, but we have to understand God is always at work, but it's hard for us because we have blinders on. And those blinders are very natural. It's not a negative thing on our behalf that we have blinders on because we see our current circumstances. We see like this. And we can't see to the left to the right. We only see what's right in front of us. That's why God says his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Because as we take a step, his word illuminates the next step for us to take. And then it illuminates the next step and the next step. Because we only see our current situation. But this is what we have to understand. If God always met our expectations on everything that we asked him to do, he would never have the opportunity to completely blow our mind at some point. Most of us pray very small prayers. God protect me. God do this. God do that. And God's like... I don't know who you, I don't think you actually know who you're talking about, who you're talking to. I can do anything. You're asking me to protect you. I'm going to protect you. You're my child. Ask me to do something big. Ask me to do something grand. That's why he says in Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do immeasurably more than all we think, ask, or even imagine. That's the God that we're dealing with. I think that's why Jesus delayed. He delayed because he was about to completely do something unimaginable in the life of Mary and Martha. Look at verse 32. Mary comes onto the scene. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. So, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When he saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. We read that he's deeply moved in spirit and we, I think at times we tend to get this mindset that this is Jesus like weeping. Jesus isn't weeping here when it says he's deeply moved in spirit. Deeply moved in spirit literally means to snort with anger. Okay? In other words, Jesus is getting ready for a battle. Okay, In a moment, Jesus is about to battle death. Okay, Calvin said it this way. He said, Christ has not come to the grave as an idle spectator, but like a wrestler preparing for a contest. Okay, Jesus is about to battle death here in just a moment. He says in verse 34, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then... Jesus wept. Two words in that verse, but so powerful. Jesus wept. We can learn a lot in those two words. We see the love of Jesus in those two words. Jesus knows all. He knew what he was about to do. He knew in a moment Lazarus was about to walk out of that tomb. But he weeps. Why does he weep? Because he understands what Mary and Martha are going through. He understands their hurt. Even though he sees the outcome, and he knows the outcome is going to be so good, 
he still sees their current circumstances and understands that they don't understand what's going on in their current circumstances, and yet he still weeps for them, and he still moved for them. Verse 36, verse 35, Jesus wept. Verse 36, and Jesus, the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he, he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? There's always people, negative people. There's always negative people. When you're going through a delay and you're praying for something, there's always those people that pop their head up. Yeah, you see, God isn't that great. You really think this God you serve really loves you? Because if he really loved you, he would have acted. If he really loved you, he could have done something. There's always those negative people that pop up in our lives. Let's keep reading. Look down at verse 43, 44. Just to give you right before what happens here, he tells them, tells them, comes up to the tomb, he tells them to roll away the stone. And one of the coolest verses in all of scripture, I think, is, let me find it. I just have to read it because I love it. Verse 38, Jesus said, once more deeply moved. Again, this is Jesus. He's deeply moved. He's preparing for a battle. He's about to battle death here. He's preparing for a battle. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. I love this. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, odor because he's been dead for days. She's like, Jesus, he smells. Don't remove this tomb. Don't remove the door here because he's been dead for four days and there's going to be a bad smell. Don't do this, Jesus. Again, this is the same sister who's like, Jesus, you could have been here. He wouldn't have died. Yet I know you can still do something and Jesus is about to do something. She's like, well, hold on. I got a sense I may be uncomfortable here in just a moment. So Jesus, hold on. How many times do we do that with God? God's about to act. God's about to do something. We're like, hold on, God. Is this going to make me uncomfortable? Because I know I prayed for you to act, but if this is going to make me uncomfortable, ah, I'm good. Just, he can stay dead, Jesus. Don't make me uncomfortable. Let's look at verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44, the dead man came out. What a cool story. Jesus delays. There's no other way to put it. He delayed. He delayed for days before he acted. Their request was very simple. Heal our brother. Jesus, do something. You love this guy. You spent nights in our home. Do something. Jesus delayed. He didn't meet their expectations because he was about to exceed them. He comes to the tomb and he simply says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus rises from the dead. And he walks out. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't happen. There's somebody in here today praying for something to happen. 
You're praying that God will act. You're praying for a relationship. You're praying for a job. God seems to be delaying. We see it as a negative, but is it possible this is preparation time? Because remember, with God, the wait is never a waste. And is it possible that maybe God is just getting ready to completely exceed your expectations? What you're praying for, God is completely, is getting ready to completely exceed those. See, many times our biggest disappointments are the beginning of God's greatest works. Look at verse 45. Remember Jesus talked about there's a reason for his sickness. And he said the reason was the Son of God would be glorified. Look at verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did and believed in him. I'll be honest with you. I, I would be hard-pressed if there was any unbelievers in the crowd at that time. This man shows up to a grave after the guy has been dead for four days. And all he does is say, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes trotting out. There's many people believed on him after that. Many of you have been here over the last three weeks and you've sat through and you've heard this series that God is still good. That God is still good in the disasters. He's still good in the doubts. He's still good in the, in the delays. And for some of you, that kind of seems far off for you. And the reason it seems far off for you is God just doesn't seem personal. You've come because you feel like there's something missing in your life. There's no accident that you showed up to church today. There's no accident that you showed up last week, the week before. You've come because you felt like there's something missing in your life. And, and you hear something that God is still good in our disasters and that God is good in our doubts and he's good in our delays. But yet it just doesn't seem very personal. So the question I have for you is do you know Jesus as your Savior? See, it's easy for me to say that God is still good in the disasters and in the doubts and in the delays. It's easy for me to say that because I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've seen God act in my life during the disasters, during my own personal doubts. And I've seen God act in the delay periods of my life. So the question I have for you is, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? See, it's not about religion. It's not about going to church. It's not about checking off a spiritual checklist of do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship. And this relationship can change your life. See, the issue was we were all born as sinners. The Bible says we're all born sinners. What that means is we're all born with a propensity to sin. We're all born with a sin nature. In other words, just if you don't believe me, just walk, follow any toddler around and watch any toddler who throws a fit, who hits. Watch a kid who lies for the first time. Mom and dad didn't teach them how to lie. Mom and dad didn't teach their toddler how to throw a fit in Walmart. But yet they still know how to do it, don't they? We all have a sin nature. Not only do we have a sin nature, but we're sinners by choice. We choose to sin. And what that sin does is that sin separates us from a holy God. And because God is holy and because he is just, that sin has to be dealt with. And it's a punishment that we cannot pay on our own. We can't do it on our own. 
There's no way that we can, we can pay the debt that is owed. So God, because he loves us and because he's full of grace and full of mercy, sent his only son, Jesus, to come down to this earth. He lived for 33 years, but his purpose was to die on a cross for my sin and for your sin. Remember we talked about that moved in spirit means like snort with anger. Jesus is about to do battle with death. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. He took the penalty of our sin. Not just our sins, but the sins of the entire world. He died on a cross for our sins. But here's the important part. He died, but three days later he rose again. And because of that resurrection, we now have access to God. We now have the ability to have a relationship with God, a very personal relationship with God. So you remember we talked about that gap that we had, the separation between us and God. Well, Jesus now bridges that gap. So the question I have for you is, have you ever accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Not do you go to church, not did you grow up in church, you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If you haven't, none of this stuff is ever going to make sense to you. Because you're missing that personal relationship with God and with Jesus. A couple next steps. Just one, actually. If you're in the waiting period, trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. God is never late. He's seldom early, but he's always right on time. Would you bow your heads with me?